I do treat myself. So for somebody who's a foodie, when you've been cooking all day and if I've done a five course dinner party for 20, I actually come home and two things I might go to is a nice mug of tea or a cup of tea. Look at my mug. I got to say, for the ones that can see this on YouTube, the queen, uh, the queen, the mug says the spice queen, which you truly are. Now, please don't judge me. <laughs> nice biscuit, a digestive or a hobnob. And my naughty bite is dunk it in. Oh, it won't fit. <laughs> dunk it in. <laughs> I dunk my biscuits. I think it's a Yorkshire thing or is it an Asian thing. I'm not sure. I don't know because... I saw a, I don't know if you've seen it, it's the best Marigold Hotel film. It's got Judy Dench. I love um, it. My like, okay, so she does the same thing. You dunk it until it either falls off or you're so, like, you're a perfectionist and you have it just at that moment where it's about to fall off and you just shove it in your mouth. There's certain biscuits that work really well. So I watch, um, don't know which other's a comedian. And he kept saying, dunk me, dunk me. Apparently, <laughs> hobnob, that's the most dunkable biscuit. Oh, this is digestive so out. I thought that's my first that naughty bite and you know what I just love dunking biscuits and tea the naughty bites podcast welcome back to another session of naughty bites today I'm joined by the wonderful Parveen a true Yorkshire lass who has established herself as a go-to Indian food expert known as the spice queen she has showcased her debut cooking show Parveen's Indian Kitchen where she provides unique insights into the very best authentic Indian food and is also a South Asian badass for feeding James Martin her famous onion bhaji butty on national TV, a popular fusion food favourite across the globe. Parveen is a celebrated author and contributes to many regional columns. And if you didn't know, she's known for a cheeky sense of humour which becomes even more spicy when she's got going into the kitchen. Welcome, Parveen. Welcome, Parveen. I hope you liked your bio. I loved my bio. Yeah, I am quite, that was brilliant. I sound like I want to interview me now. <laughs> I hope so, because um, I love, I came across your Instagram videos and I love how you were dancing with your food on, um, on live Instagram following, like, it was nuts, but I absolutely really loved was. how you're so confident and going like a Bollywood queen. Thank <laughs> you. I think I am a lot cheeky in real life than I am on TV. Um, I love it. That's why I love it when I do demonstrations and get to be me. But Naughty Bites is something that I, when you said Naughty Bites, then I'm going to come and do this podcast. That's exciting because I really, so talking on Naughty Bites, that is what my podcast is called. What is your most sinful treat that you treat yourself to after a hard day of work? I do. I do treat myself. So for somebody who's a foodie, when you've been cooking all day and if I've done a five course dinner party for 20, I actually come home and two things I might go to is a nice mug of tea or a cup of tea. Look at my mug. I got to say, for the ones that can see this on YouTube, the queen, uh, the queen, the mug says the spice queen, which you truly are. Now, please don't judge me. (laughs) Nice biscuit, a digestive or a hobnob. And my naughty bite is dunk it in. Oh, it won't fit. (laughs) I dunk my biscuits. I think it's a Yorkshire thing or is it an Asian thing? I'm not sure. I don't know because I saw a, I don't know if you've seen it, it's the best Marigold Hotel film. It's got Judy Dench. I love um, it. Okay, so she does the same thing. You dunk it until it either falls off or you're so, like, you're a perfectionist and you have it just at that moment where it's about to fall off and you just shove it in your mouth. 
certain biscuits that work really well. So I watch, um, don't know which other's a comedian, and he kept saying, dunk me, dunk me. Apparently, <laughs> hobnob, that's the most dunkable biscuit. Oh, this is digestive. So I thought that's my first thought. And you know what? I just love dunking biscuits in tea. But I love that because I miss not having UK biscuits here in Spain. So when you're having your digestive, all I think is like chocolate, dark chocolate covered digestive. And when it just melts in your tea and you're like, oh, like get in my belly. <laughs> I don't even miss that. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Okay, so your journey into the culinary scene is very different. You've gone from working in education, mm-hmm. you started your own spice range, mm-hmm. and now you're a regular on ITV. Is your it's your passion and your love of food that's led you there? What has your journey been like so far? I think. So there's the cat. Before we start this podcast, I said to Anisha, if my cat comes and meows and she's here, she just knows I'm busy. She's called right. Saffron. I'm a, I'm a cat lover, so it's all good. She's called, she's called Saffron after Safi. So, oh, that's nice. Interesting, she's an Asian cat, so because when I'm when I'm sorting garlic and onions, she knows there's meat around and she's coming and meowing for that. So really? normally when I'm in the kitchen, she knows mommy's cooking. Um. So that was surreal, surreal moment with my cat, Safi. She's here somewhere. And I think the journey is, I think, surreal. How does a girl from Bradford with a basic education, just with the two skills that I had, which was probably to make people laugh and probably to talk a lot, how does one <laughs> then get an ITV show? Surreal would come to my mind because I am just me being me on camera. But if anything, the ITV series and many TV shows Take your personality, your food, and you you have to tone it down for TV. There's compliance and there's people you have to appease in real life. I am quite naughty. I like I that because I'm naughty oh, things. I can't wait to get no like get to know all these little naughty things on my podcast today. Maybe someone said, Oh, that was that why you call the spice queen. I said, No, that's not why I got the spice queen. <laughs> you have my orange spices. There's certain things I would say on on in real life, and I say, Come on, then girls, give it a stir. It's good for your bingo wings. And I did it um, yeah. on the show, he was showing chapati flour. And he said, come on, describe the chapati flour. And I said, there's white, there's brown, there's wholemeal, gluten-free. I said, I like it brown like my men. You like and he it said, brown like your men. And he's Can like, we call it Mediterranean? <laughs> no, can't say that on ITV. I said, go on, I dare you. He said, no. Um, so things like that, that I can't say on camera, I do in real life. I like that because... <laughs> I'm still laughing about I like my men brown. Um, <laughs> um I love, I love all colours of men. <laughs> this is why we call naughty bites. Um like you mentioned that you are you, but it's you that has given you this opportunity in this industry, which is so difficult. And even though you've said you've had to tone it down, your personality. And that twinkle in your eye mm. still comes through on your little videos on Instagram, even on television. And a lot of people resonate with that. And also the fact that you're a South Asian woman from Bradford. I know. Like, when I hear Bradford, I'm like, I just remember as a child going, oh, no, I don't want to go up to Yorkshire as a child. Because as a kid, you're like, can we go somewhere exotic? Exotic, but, yeah. And, and for me, it's like... You've come from Bradford, you're on like national TV. A lot of women will be thinking, even girls, 
young children, teenagers, women in the field and trying to make it go, how did she do it? And she's mm. done it. So for them, you are an inspirational. For many, you would be a role model, including myself, mm. because I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people will be thinking she's done it. You know, mm. you've gone from different, your career, your CV is very different, but you've gone mm. from marketing, education, all these other different areas into mm. food which is very difficult but you've done it and you've achieved it and you've got the medal you know um so I think for myself it's a wonderful journey that you've gone through you know well for myself too actually um, <laughs> now of course Bradford is being awarded the cultural city of 2025 wow and sometimes when I go back home and I go for a night out and we have food I'm absolutely gobsmacked at the amount of restaurants and how busy each restaurant is. It's, they're not restaurants, the huge buildings empty. They're just full. It's yeah. like if you go to a, the way I see it is if you go to church on a Sunday and you've got a few people, you go to a mosque on a Friday, it's packed with people. It's yeah. almost like these people are going to worship their food. This is their food and they love it. And I think when I went to a particular restaurant on a Tuesday night and I said to my sister, oh, we'll, we'll get in, won't we? Do have to book? She went, wait till you get there. Tuesday night, people are dressed up. I said, oh, is it a wedding? She went, no, wow. no, people just dressing up to go out for dinner on a Tuesday night. I had to queue to get in. Then what That's is going amazing. on? And because there's so many restaurants and because Bradford has so many South Asian people in the community, they've got to be good. They have to the be. standard is quite high. So I love it when I go back. In fact, I'm back there this weekend doing a cooking lesson, actually. That's amazing because the last time I was in Bradford, uh, my husband had just turned celiac. And thankfully, my sister-in-law, her father's a CD, actually went, Anisha, I know the restaurant to go to. And honest to God, for Carlos, it was amazing because yeah. the the guy that was standing by the meals was like, you can't have that. You can't have that. You can have this. You can have this. Everyone, do not mix the spoons. We have a celiac here. And for Carlos, he felt so relaxed oh. to be able to enjoy proper like restaurant curries because when you cook at home, it's different. But when you eat out, there's something about meat and the vegetables and all the snacks and savories, which are amazing. And Bradford is one of those places because as well, like, you know, when you think of the culinary scene of like South Asia, I like, I was also talking about my grandma, like, you know, Pakistan is amazing for meat, meat biryanis, meat dishes, yes. India more vegetarian. And then Bangladesh was like all the seafood. And it's true because our best, my mom's best friend, Tasneen, she would make the most amazing meat biryanis and she'd make tuppers and save them in our freezer. And for me, that was like a thing to go to Bradford for meat curries. Yeah, we're very, we're very meat based. You're right. I never thought of it like that. And so uh, a few years ago, my daughter was a vegetarian. Then she became a flexitarian. And then she came for dinner and I said, What are you now? She went, Mum, I'm a flegan now. I said, You're a flegan. Vegan reminds me of those baddies from Star Trek. Like, well, a vegan is a flexible vegan. I went, get with it. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. So, oh my goodness. So, but when I when she's in the when she's at home, I can make paneer, I can make pakori, I can make dal, oh, I can nice. make travel, I can make most anything for her, and it fits the bill. Um, if she's vegan, flexible vegan, and I've got clients that are vegetarian, and they will say, I'm proving you know vegetarianism is so good. I said South Asian food lends itself so well. Yeah. However, we Pakistani Asians love our meat. So when my daughter was vegetarian, <laughs> went to my in-laws for eat, and there was like lamb biryani, kebab burgers, chicken burgers, lambuna, everything. <laughs> <Poor was> <laughs> Where's the veggie? I said, it's Eid. We're going to go full on carnivore. 
Um, so yeah, when you go to Bradford, <clears throat> I think I love the shish kebabs because the way they are char grilled is oh. something I can't emulate at home, even though I've tried. There's yeah. only two things that a restaurant does that I feel I can't do. Otherwise, I'm very picky. They call me Picky Parveen, you know. When I did come down with me, my name was Picky Parveen. <laughs> picky Parveen. Oh I am picky, and the kids will not go out to eat with me. That mummy is so picky, so fussy. I said, I'm not fussy, I'm particular. There's a difference. <laughs> um, so, they're all peas, particular. They're all peas, yeah. Parveen. There's more peas being <laughs> That sounds rude, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that sounds rude. Um, I have um, tandoori naan is something I can't do at home properly. Not with a tandoor unless you go in yeah. the back garden, which people do have in the back garden now. Wow. And it's the flame grilled shish kebab burger flavor you can't get at home, even though you emulate the heat. The amount of heat they have yeah. is incredible compared to we can't emulate that in our homes. However, when it comes to a terkadal or a chapati or a pakora or a smosa or a gulab jamun or jalebi, I feel that actually mine, mine's quite mine's better, I think. Yeah. But you are a professional. And um, am I though? I always say am I professional because <clears throat> I'm not professionally trained as a chef. So I see myself as a cookery teacher. Okay. And when I was on air, that's the feedback I got from many people in the industry said, oh, you actually teach cooking. So earlier you said I had all these different jobs, marketing, teaching. Yeah. I think because I'm an ex-teacher and I teach children, that sort of comes into it and I'm teaching cooking and I'm not a patient person I am I've got no patience except <laughs> in teaching cooking right I have but, so much patience because I know my I know my art and I am doing a job where I feel the most comfortable because it's food okay. that I grew up with so there's no pretense then it's all so very real to me but you make it sound you know so your cookery teaching side comes through but you make it feel so natural that you make it easy to understand for the people watching oh our Indian because people think Indian food oh it's so complicated there's lots of spices oh they overpower it but when you have real Indian food people it's not you know people think spice ah it's gonna burn my mouth but it's the flavor like it's the it, flavor it's the flavor and you showcase that in your in your food because you know you did you, you shared a video the other day and it was of this like chicken pilau I think it was Okay. And that's all the little tips of rice. And I'm like, that's proper basmati rice. That's how it should be. I think I said something like, it's standing proud. <laughs> yeah, it is standing proud because you it's know standing. how hard it is to get that. It's yeah. so and hard. I say things like, don't peek, leave it alone. So when we were filming the show, they said, okay, Praveen, can you say this and can you say that? And the first day to two days of filming, they were feeding me lines and it didn't seem real. Yeah. I said, can I just say what I would say in real life? And some of the things I would say in my life, real life are way too... Too risque. Saucy. Saucy, saucy, saucy yeah, okay. um, No pun intended, but me, saucy. Oh, Anisha, you should have seen me uh, coffee lolly. Oh, yeah. Um, long lollies. I bet they were long. <laughs> and I had to lick it. And I said to my producer, I said, he said, just lick it. I said, he went, not like that, Parveen. I said, well, how is it? Non-sexually. So I got this long lolly and I had this longy. I had to like, take it out the hole and I, had to, and I had to say something. And my eyebrow went up. No eyebrows, Parveen. And the oh cheekiness came in and they had to take it out. Then he said, just lick it non-sexually as I tried. I said, can I just lick the end of it? No, no. No, oh my goodness. And I'm like, what can... I did, didn't come, it came across really naughty. And I said, I bet if I was Nigella, you would let me do the I was just going to say that, but it wasn't Nigella. You could be like the Indian Nigella. Like... I think you were very 
I would have done it, but they were very conscious of my of my culture and my background, my religion. But, so no naughtiness on telly for me. No naughtiness, but a lot of people do have a sense of humour. So I think that would be a that would have been funny if it came through. But I would I hope to see that clip one day if you no, want I'm, to share I'm, it I'm with gonna, me. I'm, I'm going to redo it on a on a stage in a food festival. <laughs> I'm at a food festival at the end of August. I am going to do it and say, look, this is how you're really supposed to eat it. Um, <laughs> it's just I don't take myself too seriously. Okay. I take the food seriously, but not yeah. myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, and no, I get that. I get that. Because, I don't know, you know, because you are from Bradford, and culinary food and spices have been around the area you live in because of the people that live there. What was it like growing up, going to these sort of, you know, fragrant supermarkets and cash and carries. What no, did, how did that make you feel? Nisha, there wasn't that many growing up. There wasn't okay. in the 70s. Remember, I'm a lot older than you. <laughs> my birthday yesterday. I think you should, viewers should guess how old I am. because I'm, I'm I know, but, but I already know. But but you look younger than your age. If, you're, if that's, that's really good, though. Thank you. I think it's turmeric. Turmeric, turmeric. No, I think it's Asian genes. We have so much, like, we have such oily skin that, you know, what was that line in my big fat Greek wedding? Greek don't crinkle or something like that. Yeah. It's the same with Asian women, South Asian, Brand Asian in general. We, we don't crack. Yeah, so I turned 57 yesterday. And Happy you birthday. would say, oh, I am, thank you. And my son is 32. So when he's with me, people think, oh, he's like your husband. So he gets embarrassed. <laughs> I don't really. Um, but I think it's not so much what you eat. It's not so much how you look. It's what you eat. It's how you behave. It's your mindset. It's exactly. happiness that glows, that, that shows on yeah. the outside. How you feel on the inside shows on the outside. And someone said to me, oh, do you really cook? And I think a lot of people still say, oh, do you really cook? And I said, no, I really cook. I went, but you really cook? I went, no, I really cook. <laughs> and so apparently a lot of TV chefs don't actually cook in real life. It's, it's okay. a job for TV. But I mean, the other day it was Father's Day and I had to make three different, I made lamb slide burgers, Ooh. salad fries with a turmeric coleslaw. I made fish for my husband. I made a salad and I made myself something. I made like seven dishes. Oh my goodness. And my friends, my husband's father, a friend came for dinner. He said, Oh my God, super feast. I said, Well, I cook for a living. He said, But you're always cooking. I said, I am, because I love it. It's good. I think it's important. You said the key word, love it. I think it's important to feel like some people just do their job, but you actually love your job and it comes through in everything you do. Like, I think it's the energy you give off. It's definitely um, energy. You're thinking about the jalebi dance again, aren't you? Alicia? I am thinking of the sorry. TikTok it, for, for, the, for those of you who are not following Parveen, please follow Parveen because you've got to see the jalebi dance jalebi because dance. it's very, um, it's very colourful. <laughs> <laughs> we filmed a podcast or we did five recipes the whole day, and we were just finishing, and we were all very tired. So I said Neither to the team, it. "Come on, lift, let me just do it." And so I, I was actually exhausted. So with the energy thing, I think is important. Yeah. And then people will have, say, say, I don't know, say I made a, a chicken masala and those that like our cuisine will have had a chicken masala hundreds of times yeah. when you go to restaurants. And I find when I cook for clients, they will have the same thing every time they go. So when mm. I cook something, sometimes someone said, no, I mean, do something different, do something fusion, do something exciting. Sometimes the clients I cook for don't want anything really that exciting. They just want to know how to cook what they know. Okay. How to cook a bushwari naan, how to make a terkadal. Dal is probably the easiest recipe in yeah. the world, but the hardest to get right. It is. I've had dal. I'm like, what is this? This is not dal. And so, even my daughter makes it. She says, Mom, why? Do, how comes yours is so life nice? I said, probably is just 
yes, I know the recipe backwards, but the energy you put into the food is important. Yeah. So when people eat it, they taste that love you've put in. If you speak to any passionate chef, yeah. and you're going to speak into a lot, a few of my friends, they, were, they put their passion into the food, and that yeah. is what one can taste. The only difference with me is I don't own a restaurant. So when you hire me, I'm doing a garden party for um, a 60th soon. Yeah. And I'm making this food. But the food we cook specifically for my client. Okay. And she's so excited. But it is because I'm excited. And it we sort of feed off each other with that mm-hmm. excitement thing. Definitely. And I don't know what I'm excited about. Getting there, cooking it, eating it, or the dancing afterwards. I think it's a dancing. <laughs> it's a dancing. I think you're going to have like your little slider on the side and go, yeah, this is Yay. amazing. Somebody <laughs> said, oh, you do Bollywood parties. Who does the dancing? I said, I do. Yeah, I love, I do miss Bollywood dancing, like literally do miss it. So I do have another question for you. I've been so fortunate to get to know you a little over the past month or two. And your fun loving and passionate side about your food really comes through. It's actually like, it kind of oozes out of you. Like now, if for those of you can see this, you can see her fully smiling. This has made you highly sought after as a private chef. Okay. Have there been any once in a lifetime opportunities that have come your way? Yes. Finish the question first, Alicia. Finish the question. Okay, okay go. You can go. You can go. Because I can no, see you going from something, <laughs> something that I had, opportunity that I, that I missed. Okay. Or that I was almost well, finished. Both, you can answer both, one that you've missed or one that you've really enjoyed, like thinking, oh my God, like, you know, your your journey's taking you there as a private chef. The biggest opportunity is I work for an agency. So somebody said to me, how did you get into this? And what people don't know when they saw me on ITV is I had about a decade of experience in shopping TV. Okay. So I was I lived in Peterborough and there's a shopping channel called Ideal World. And those that know Ideal World, I was on there selling my spices. So I'd be the person standing, filling airspace for an hour, cooking live, talking, wow. engaging, and selling at the same, same time. I didn't think it was a skill, but apparently it is a skill. Um, okay. And I like live TV. So I had done so many things in my life that led me to this. And one thing I did was I joined an agency to be a private chef. I thought, do the job I want to do. Okay. So I went all around the world with this agency and we got an email from them saying, can you do this particular dinner party? And I was doing Car Fest at the time okay. with Chris Evans. I thought, nope, I'm going to do Car Fest. I'm booked. I'm going to be on a stage and that's where I'm the happiest. The client was a family called Mittal. Okay. From India. All right. Multi-billion air shipping magnets. Well, you, you don't know them. No, because I'm just looking at you like... Um... Exactly. I'm like, who? So I was telling my daughter, I said, oh, we've got this request for me to do a dinner party in, in central London, in Kensington somewhere, in a private okay. apartments. So a family called Mittals. She went, wow. Mom, the Mittals. I'm like, yeah, the Mittals. She, like, <laughs> she says, you know, they're, they're, they're like almost like Indian royalty, and I had no idea. Wow. And she said, don't do yeah. card quest. Do them because they, it's a good opportunity for you. But I made my mind up that I agreed to do Carfest okay. for children in need. Wow. And I didn't say no because I, I stick to my word. Oh, my goodness. And, and I, oh I'm sure it goodness. would have been a great opportunity for me. And I had to deal with the peers, at the, not the butler, at the PA. I dealt with the PA's PA. Yeah. And I sent them a book to apologise on my cookbooks. Never heard back. Uh, but it's for a charity. It's for children in need. So... Oh, it's disheartening, but 
look what you're doing now. Missed opportunities, but I know I love doing car fest. And then there's, there's times when I've had an opportunity and I've met somebody and I think, I just met that person. Did they just know who I am? And, and I think for me, the surreal moment is when I'd go to the National TV Awards. Hey. And um, I wasn't allowed to, I had a, a, my show was live, so I couldn't. And on TV, I was dressed very, very serene, very not serene, very sort of non-Asian. I went in a full-on Bollywood Rajasthani ball gown. I was <laughs> got there to the O2. I walked into the room and Lorraine Kelly knew who I was. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. God. Starstruck. That was, and I was starstruck. And then, um, and, and then I walked in and I chatted to everybody and I thought, oh, you know what? Here I'm at National TV Awards in the box in the, in, and Lorraine Kelly and Lou Swimming were there and all the presenters. It was the most surreal moment, but a fantastic opportunity. So oh, now wow. when we are hoping to pitch my second series, the people that, are in the know and powerful people did meet me except I was full-on Bollywood that night oh that's amazing come on and you got to do a bit of dancing I hope I hope so right my next question you grew up in Bradford and raised in a Brit- British South Asian household where family tends to bond over food it's where whole families sit together for a long day and chat and have long conversations this is something that I remember as well and it's that bond that makes you become stronger. It's said that in Ayurvedic thinking, which is still ingrained in many Indian cooking techniques, you're not supposed to be disturbed when you're eating. You should be calm, sat down and relax around your family. What, what was it like growing up for you in Bradford around like mealtimes? <laughs> When you were asking the question, I was already preempting it slightly because I told you I'm not a patient person. Touching <laughs> around eating, and because you haven't got my book, I must get my book to you. And one of the things I mentioned is the fact in this busy life of Wi-Fi and phones and fast cars, everything's too fast. Yeah. And the only time one gets to sit down and relax is when one eats, and it's yeah. the only time I ban phones at my table at home. Yeah. During in my childhood, we have no issues with phones. We had no phones, so we all sat. There were seven of us, plus mum and dad, nine of us. So we never sat around the table. There's too many of us. We sat on the floor every night. (laughs) The memories of that. You put the blanket on the floor and we all sat sat on the floor and had food. And it was probably one of the happiest times of my childhood, the food together. It's it's funny you say that. Um, Some of my happiest of memories was always around mealtimes. So my... My my grandparents from my dad's side, my grandfather, he was just such a sensational cook. Um, and you know how he said it's the passion, but it's, it's also the hand that makes the food. Like, you know, it's that saying. We and, say it, don't we? We say it, yeah. now it's in the hand. It's in the hand, that's right. And he made the most amazing, I think I would have been about three or four, but it's the only memory I kind of have of his food. And he went, and he's just old enough to try crab curry. So I literally had like, he, he had this, you know, because we eat with our hands, you know, chapati and crab and he just fed me and I was like, oh my God, like it was so good. It was so nice. But then my grandma had it quite lucky. She was like, oh, I just got to make the chapatis <laughs> because my grandfather couldn't, like she didn't make them. But growing up, even though her cooking was absolutely fantastic, my grandfather was better. Sorry, oh. grandparents. He was he was better. But then on my mom's side, my mom's sisters, like my aunt in Canada, my massie in Canada, 
and my other master that lived in Preston, their food was something else. I kid you not, it was just, again, all of us, 20 of us sat around the floor and eating and, you know, having spiced seaweed and sprats and chicken and lamb. And it was just, it was the best time to be exposed to different Asian food. And I think it was just, um, I think it's a, I think it's a common food scene. And they, well, not, no, not for everybody, apparently. So there's certain misconceptions that people listening to this or watching this will have. And one misconception that I think people always assume, rightly or wrongly, that um, Asian women are good cooks. So growing up, my mother was an amazing cook. She just knew her flavours. She was married to my father. He was a soldier in the army. So she travelled around Karachi and places. Oh, wow. So she got to, I mean, she was using pink salt. Again, I mentioned in my book. She using pink Himalayan salt before six years before the whole world. I mean, now it's trending. Yeah. She was using it then. You know, she was using turmeric, giving us turmeric milk after my babies so I could heal on the inside yeah. 30 years ago. I'm thinking, my yeah. God, she just knew. And it wasn't, she again wasn't trained. She yeah. had an instinct when it came to what food worked. For example, when we were unwell, she would make something called a chit. And a chit was like a, it was um, fennel and caraway seeds and certain digestives mm. to help us heal like a soup yeah. like a chicken soup so she was good we go to some of my aunt's houses and they make food I'm like what is this mom what is this <laughs> so not all women have that ability to know their flavors mom did know her flavors sometimes she drove us crazy so every summer she'd get the mortar and pestle from the neighbor oh, and this neighbor and we dried them on the middens which was the outside those I don't know was an outside bathroom yeah. And we dry the spices in the summer and have to sit there in water and pestle and grind them. And yes. I did a podcast one saying, oh, it's a happy time. And she went, oh, your body language doesn't say it was happy time, Barbie. I said, are you kidding me? I hated it. I yeah. hated spices because she would insist we grind them. Like, mom, mom, I wanted to play outside. Yes. So her passion was, for me, was is a negative because like, mom is just spice. Just buy the stuff. Yeah. So, but then now I do the same thing. I roast them and I grind them and I pack them and I even sell oh, them. Oh God, it's true. It's true. Um, you made me laugh about that because um, <laughs> we did exactly the same thing. But also because I was like, why don't you just use the electric machine? That no, it'll burn the spices. You got to do it by yeah, hand. And yeah, I'm like, oh goodness. Yeah, if you see my face, it was like, mm. and also it was also the time to make like papadoms at papad and papri roll them out and you have to hang them on the white sheets and then turn and them over them. and oh yeah it was not fun for a no, child it wasn't because we did we weren't that interested at that time so my mum was a really good cook and and she was passionate and I didn't know until recently I mean she's passed away now and I wish you know I could have asked her more yeah. stories I found out very late in life why mum never got up in the morning and just thought gosh mum's just being lazy to feed us all and after doing seven children dad would make porridge oats for us with golden syrup every oh, morning lovely. make sure we got well, Bradford it was cold cold yeah um she worked in Bradford's second Indian restaurant for five pound a week oh my gosh making chapati so she worked all night in a restaurant oh so, so intense I know so intense but she was a good cook and she passed that down to me so not everybody knows their flavors and again when I'm teaching with spice so brilliant, but what spice goes with what? I said, you can have three spices and make still make good food. I did a, um, a show yesterday live. I work for an Islam channel and I made a couscous and I said, but, and then I made a fresh chutney. I said, fresh ingredients makes fresh food. Does it make sense? Yeah. yeah. When I'm teaching cooking, people wrongly again assume the meat should be like leftovers or bad cuts. No, really, you need really good cuts. Fresh ginger, fresh garlic, 
fresh coriander or cilantro, what they call it. You just, and I guess I kept saying cilantro, it just sounds more posher. <laughs> the fresh of the ingredients, the fresh of the flavors. And I keep saying that. Yeah, and people true. don't get it. And the other thing that people are really frightened of is the spice. So I always say you can have bags of flavor, tone down the spice. Then I've got a little phrase, which I say, and I say, remember, it's a party in your mouth, not a rave. It's true. Oh, I like that. And I like your little sass that you had going on. <laughs> but it's it's true. Like, I'm, I think growing up, I had to learn to cook because my mother learned to cook from her in-laws because my mom was very sporty. So growing up, I relied on my mom's sisters or my grandparents in terms of putting flavors together. But I did have some mishaps in the kitchen, like learning to cook. And um, I've got to say, they were not pretty. Over, um, I made like sweet potatoes with golden syrup and I put, I think it was about two tablespoons of um, nutmeg powder. Disgusting, absolute <laughs> disgusting. And I forgot the salt. And, um, my grandma was like, Anisha, I was like, I think I was 13. It's allowed. I was 13. I was not interested in cooking. And then, and then the other thing was trying to make like, um, what's it? Mung dal, like the green dal. Um, yeah. So again, you got to use a pressure cooker and I was terrified of a pressure cooker. I was. Oh, oh my God. The noise. I was actually tying myself to run in the kitchen right after the whistle and then run back out because I'm like okay the whistle's done I've got like 10 seconds um I tried to make it I thought mom does five whistles gets the like the chapati rolling pin lifts up the whistle I did exactly the same it went all over the ceiling all over the cupboards and I'm like yeah I'm never using a pressure cooker again no. I actually waited until I was like 27 to use it I'm not, I'm like, I'm not having it frightened the life out of me as a child once so it goes through the pressure again it would whistle and it's like it was it's almost a garlic coming to get you from doctor who it it's is. like crazy i've got a pressure cooker now i don't like to use it i think it changes the flavor of food personally it does it, it's um, it was yeah but mishaps gosh i mean i've had so many um and didn't want to learn to cook my mom said you've got to learn to cook i said i don't want to learn to cook and she said well you've got to make chapatis i said i don't make chapatis mom she says well if you don't make chapatis how are you going to find a husband uh, oh, that, I think that's in every movie um, by Govinda Java. Like she does everything about the stereotypes of what it's like growing up in the UK, but she does it to a T. Like, and when I hear these lines, and I'm like, Carlos, like, if you know, if you know, and he was like, yeah, this is this is is true. How are you going to find a husband? Well, a husband. Yeah. That's another. That's another um, surreal moment when I met Govinda Chada. I met her recently. <laughs> met her. Oh my god! She was on my table and like I was starstruck. Um, and she said, "Oh, I don't cook." <laughs> That's oh, it. Like cooking, but I don't cook. Um, the misconceptions of making chapatis, I mean, they were just all over the place. And there was a very famous film called Bargy on the Beach at the I time. I love that film. Yeah, I love oh, that film. I love it. It's and my favourite film of hers. She makes this um, chapati and it's sort of a, a, a parata and her husband, brother holds it up in the film and he says, I think it died in the telepod. And so when I moved to London, I was making food for the first time without my mum's sort of guidance. I made this parata and it was like literally like a, map of India and Pakistan and my husband said what happened I said oh it died in the telepod and oh, I had a look in the telepod the, the film The Fly was very famous in the um, 80s 90s so yeah. if I made a mishap he would say my husband would say oh it did it die in the telepod <laughs> so I had a lot of those dying telepod moments and then I just found that I was creative in the kitchen but yeah there's a lot of mishaps on the way nobody gets it perfect still mm-hmm. now when I'm filming and we did it as I did yesterday today, Monday I did a chai garak chai omelette and a parata live on tv 
and I was pouring the tea and I said, the presenter said, oh, Pravin, I don't know about you, but I always spill it. I said, well, watch me, I might spill it as well because I'm quite actually accident prone in the kitchen. Are you kidding me? Live on TV, I spilled the tea, went everywhere all over the set. So I'm saying yeah, to the audience, here's how not to do it. <laughs> I make a lot of mistakes and I always said to the crew, can you leave in my mistakes? Yeah, because it makes it real. Makes it real. And I said, no, there's, and there's one clip, I might, it's on my Instagram, where I'm making a smosa and I drop it. I dropped the smosa and then I remember when it was Eid or Diwali or all the aunties and mums get together and there was always one lady who could fix the smosa. Yeah. I was a fixer-upper and it's a thing that we do. We take, we don't throw anything yeah. away, you know, we're Asians, we keep everything. It's true. And that's why we have lots of Tupperware. So I made the smosa on and they did keep one mistake in and it's um, the one that got the most views and the one that feels more like me. So when we're filming and we're going to film the next show, I think we should leave in the mistakes because it's not always easy to get it right in the kitchen. No, it's not. It's it's really not. But I do remember those 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 um days of learning to cook, and more times than not, it being a disaster. But it's what makes you better, you know. But to, just taking a step back, we were talking about South, food from South Asia, and everyone talks about the secret spice recipe passed through the generations, right? Families seem to have their own little mixtures of how they season their food. Oh, your cat saffron's in the. Oh, right. she's, yeah, saffron's she's the... Some I'm going to bring her to say hello in a minute. And um, so, a lot of people talk about their own secret spices and mixes, and everyone tweaks it for their own style, such as garam masalas um, in Northern Indian cuisine, and then South India, so that's sambar or podi. But you always hear of like my mother's or my grandmother's favorite recipe, but we never ever say our fathers, our grandfathers, our uncles. Because in my household, I'm really sorry, but a lot of the men were fantastic cooks. And even to this day, when I go back to Leicester, by the way, I'm up in Leicestershire. So when I go to Leicester, my uncles cook for me like prawns and meatballs and chicken curry and broiler chicken, which I miss so much. And they are for me my favourite cooks. But why do we never say our father or our grandfather or uncles? What was it like in your household? Are you kidding? The men in our family are absolutely useless. <laughs> you really couldn't cook for, for, for toffee. No, my dad was absolutely useless, left it all to my mum. So, yeah, I, we don't share that trait. Um, <laughs> my husband, when I'm busy, and, and this sounds really bad, but when I'm cooking for the people, I'll come home and have a naughty bowl of cornflakes with fat food. Oh, that's and awesome. That's treat when I'm cooking for people. Cannot face another samosa or a chicken biryani or anything. And when I'm busy, I said to my husband, oh, please, can you cook? And he makes a chicken masala, and it's way better than mine. Oh, wow. It's spicy, it's flavoursome, he serves it. You just can't make chapatis, have to make chapatis, but he makes really good food. In terms of my family, my father, my brothers, no. My father, my uncles, it's, it's a no-no. They were absolutely useless. But the only thing my father, and I talk about him, would insist on, he grew up in the war in the, during the yeah. partition. And those that are listening to this and don't know about the partition, partition of India and Pakistan we are referring to. Yeah. And our parents sort of drilled it home to us. Join the partition, we'll all be, oh, fall asleep. But it was, for them, it was a real thing because yeah. the country split into two and there was a lot of, there was mass migration and poverty. That's why you'll find a lot of our parents' generation don't, didn't throw food away because they actually did starve. Yeah. I grew up with that, those principles and ethos. I was at Savoy <laughs> the other day mm-hmm. and I got them to pack my afternoon tea. I did you? Yeah, I'm not throwing it away. I know. So I still pack food away. But my dad, one thing I will give to my dad, God rest his soul, is he grew up during the partition. So he said, 
during that time, he swore his children would never starve. Yeah. So he had an abundance of food in our house. My mum had the best ingredients. We didn't have designer shoes. We didn't have posh coats. We didn't have holidays. In fact, we had get in the car with your chai flask and paratas on the way to Blackpool. Oh, sit on the gosh. side of the road and have the paratas and watch the lights and come back from Blackpool. That was our holiday. But he didn't. He did not sting at all. He was very, very, very generous when it came to buying lots and lots of ingredients. So we, as a family, I now know it extremely well for a family in the seventies. Um, we had roast chicken like twice a week, which was unheard of for a lot of families. So that's why I will give my dad credit. Oh, that's amazing. So we had a cellar full of in boxes and boxes of ingredients. And then in the cellar lived our chickens. Oh my goodness. Live chickens or actual chickens? Like actual like chickens. Actual like pot pot chickens. Actual chickens. Oh um, halal meat wasn't available. Okay. For Muslim, so we used to do our own. But every time we killed a chicken, we saw it, we didn't eat it. no it's curious like because when I traveled to Kenya uh, a lot of our family friends still lived there and they also had their live chickens and they were also Muslim so they were doing the same thing as what you did so there I was playing along with the chicken that evening it's like so where's the chicken oh it's in your tummy I was like oh my god I'm gonna become vegetarian and I remember that feeling of like like your daughter I went through many phases of uh, my family will will really relate to this because they're like, oh, Anisha's on one of another random diets. And I'd be like, I'm not eating chicken, but I'll have the soup and the potatoes. I was like, oh, I'm off chicken again. And I've become vegetarian. And now I'm a pescatarian. And I'm, but now I'm just normal. Like, I, are you I'm vegan? No diet. Are you a flexitarian? I could never, flexitarian be amazing. <laughs> no, I, I am, um, I eat everything and anything now because it makes my life a lot easier. easier yeah. um, but I'm hoping that these habits, will not pass on to Lucas because I want him to eat everything. I don't want him to be a picky as I was. Um, You're a picky parvy. I'm going, oh, to show you, I'm going to show you my cat in a minute. So before <laughs> we say goodbye, you must see the cat. So I think, yeah, next question, please. Okay, right. So um, you have been cooking and teaching to cook for many years. And for me, it's the mothers or fathers or grandmothers that have that key ingredient socially and emotionally cooking has helped create interesting and long-lasting bonds within family not especially the fat spices the spices are like a secondary thing I've seen you cook you let your hair down and you dance a lot which I love what energy like how do your children feel about that because you're so energetic does that rub off on your children <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can say this or they were allowed. So um, they say, mom, we've got to calm down. So three, four things I do, which my, my, my children say, mom, show that, show that on your social media. So when I'm cooking and I'm tired and I need some energy, I will just grab a bottle of Coke and I don't drink Coke normally. I'll drink from the bottle and it's the most unladylike thing in the world. I'm like, mom, <laughs> put that on your social media. Um, the other thing I do is uh, when, I'm, when I'm in the kitchen, they say, mom, where do you get energy? And I'll be, come on, like, let's clean the kitchen. Like, mom, we're so tired. So they have this thing. I say, Mom, I'm sure you're snorting something. I said, no, I'm not. And so we went on holiday and it was really hot and I ran out of energy on this holiday and I was really tired. And I said, Mom, you've you forgotten your stuff to snort. And they always say, Mom's on Mom cocaine. Oh, it's hilarious. You can't take cocaine. And they have this ongoing go up my children that I've got this mum a drawer where the chapati flour is because every Asian woman has a chapati flour drawer. 
yeah full of white powder so they joke it's mum's cooking because that's why she's oh, always going to dress <laughs> <laughs> too much energy good then no there are times that I am tired and say oh mum's jewelry cells have run out so I think they think that I have sometimes too much energy and they need quiet time um it's normally it's reverse it's a pair of need the quiet know, time and the, the energy yeah okay. and when I was first doing dinner parties I couldn't afford staff so we would do these dinner parties get there I mean prep at home cook there it's like a three-day thing come on Safi come and say hello and um she lost my train of thought cat so <laughs> we do the dinner party and then as they were clearing I would do the dancing okay. so it gets at midnight and my, my son was a barman my daughter was my waitress they're waiting to get in the car. And are you kidding? There's me doing chumma cello and dancing with a client. Oh, my goodness. And I'd be dancing. And they said, how can you dance after two solid days of cooking? I said, because when you're cooking, you're stationary. You're standing in the kitchen stationary. Your legs don't move that much. Yeah. For some reason, I need to move a lot. Yeah. Um, and I find it invigorating, even though I'm exhausted. So the USP of my dinner parties was, come on, then. My dinner parties was the fact that I would do all this food and I would do the Hollywood dancing afterwards. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I don't know how you have the energy for that. I don't I know. I don't know. I think it's a release. I think it's because yeah. I am tired. It's a release. I mean, if any psychologist out there, please tell me why I do it. And I don't know why I do it, but I do it and it helps me. I'll be exhausted, but it, it releases something. Endorphins, okay. I think. Maybe endorphins. Could be. And also that, that adrenaline afterwards. It's like, you know what? I just need to like let loose and go crazy. Um, so your cookbook showcases the ease of cooking with Indian ingredients. What made you focus on sharing your love of bold flavors that are easy to recreate at home? Because like you said, yes. you know, it's not a, it's not a rave in your mouth. No, so. it's not. Excuse me one second. Oh, no, she's ran off again. Um, but again, we talk about cooking with love, Anisha, and I think the, it was necessity. Uh, the, the people that know that my story is I actually um, designed the first recipe for my son that went to university in Manchester. Okay. So it was him that wanted to learn how to cook. And I'd said, you must learn to cook before you leave. And he said, no, mum, I'm fine. I've got this. And he went to Manchester, which those that know Manchester has the curry mile. Yeah. It's a mile of curry houses. But in each of those curry houses, he couldn't find my flavours, my taste, because it wasn't yeah. the spices. It wasn't the ingredients he was missing. He was missing the way that I cook for him with love. Um, so I sent him a little spice kit and said look here's a recipe I wrote the recipe and sent it to him didn't work I said what are you using he said shop bought spice I said no no you mustn't I said use mine I sent him some garam masala some chili yeah. some turmeric I sent it he mixed it badly mixed it didn't work and he's a scientist he did chemical engineering he said mom can you just mix it and put in a sachet for me just do the whole thing so that's <laughs> exactly what I did I wrote the recipe step by step step one step two step three it should look like this now Okay, now it's watery. Now be brave. Turn the heat up. Cook it through. Add yeah. spice. So because I designed it for an 18-year-old boy, it was step by step. Yeah. And then I sent him the sachet. So it was add spice bag. And that was when my spice box was born. That's Literally amazing. add spice bag. Because I just had to tell him how to do it. He's black Literally, and white. Yeah. Literally tell him how to do it. And um, it worked. And he said, mom, this is a great idea. You know, and then I found that I could write recipes. And because I used to write my marketing material when yeah. I worked for Ofsted, I was an inspector for Ofsted education. Yeah. I was an ex-teacher. I did lesson planning. So all that helped me plan recipes. Yeah. And then write blogs and write, you know, columns. And then eventually writing my cookbook. And now I've just finished my second cookbook. Ooh, I find it I can't wait. natural. I <laughs> no, but the that's good. I'm not educated to my children. It's all recipes I cook with them during lockdown. Well, that's really good because you've inspired your kids 
in a fun way as opposed to my memories of growing up of like you're spending your summer like learning to make chapatis in, in Preston and I'm like that's <sighs> not summer it's that whole thing of like I want to go to like I don't know Southport or Blackpool not that I enjoyed or it like, yeah fish and chips actually to have to say though the best fish I've ever had is in Preston for no, me no we're in Bradford yeah. best no, fish because, and chips no because it, they cook it in like proper fat and I'm like I'm a Harry Ramsden's gal I do love that because I used to work um I went to Harry Ramsden's food exhibition because I was working for a Chinese company from um wow what's it called next to Sheffield I've forgotten my mind's blank anyway a city from um, Doncaster and um to work for this Asian company um like selling Chinese stuff and I had the best fish and chips from Harry Ramsden's and I have to say, it was my best lunch on a working lunch. It was amazing. You know what? I think if I if I don't eat my own food, then I think my go-to food is, is I love fish and chips. We we all love fish and chips. And I don't know if it's a northern thing or not, but that is one of my naughty pleasures is definitely fish and, fish and chips. chips. Curry sauce and mushy peas. And I know, don't judge me for the curry sauce. It tastes very salty and non-curry-like. But I like curry sauce and ketchup. But listen, I love ketchup so much. When I'm having a samosa and barges, I have mine with ketchup. Me too. Uh, I'm going to discuss you in a minute. So like you said, fish and chips. I like my fish, my chips, my pucker pie. Sorry, I'm not a Holland girl. Not a Holland girl. Sorry, blooper there. Um, curry sauce, all slodged into one tray and it's absolutely revolting. But I'm a, my mum was from You're Lancashire. Naughty, right? so I've got a definitely naughty and maybe not attractive. Not bite. so nice. <laughs> um, and I'm, I've got a love for pies. I'm all about the pie, like chicken pot pie. Like, I think it's a northern yeah. thing. And that really, um, that's one of my things about the pie, always. Um, <laughs> moving on. Um, when I was doing some research on you, I kept coming across a dish of yours called mango mess. Yes. I'm really intrigued. Can you tell me more about this yummy dessert of yours? Oh, it's just divine. You know, how now I've seen, it's a dish that I designed about 10 years ago, but now I'm seeing it everywhere. Um, I was doing a dinner party. In fact, I think I, I share it on my show. I was doing a dinner party and it was mango lassi and yeah. eating mess and the, mango, oh. and the strawberries had gone off. So I used the mangoes, I think, for the eating mess instead. And, and, and my friend was with me catering to me, just use the mangoes, just use the mangoes. And we did, and it was way better than anything. And it was a oh, wow. happy accident, we called it. And since then, I think the number of dinner parties I've served is that. And I serve it, you see, here's the thing, Anisha, Indian food is not synonymous with elegance. Yeah. And even with the mains, you can't really look, make, it, make it look that elegant. But when I do my gulab jamans, I cover it in gold leaf and glitter and key with yeah. roses. With my, with my mango mess, it's in a martini glass <laughs> topped with that beautiful bright orange mango pulp and then I add glitter on top. And it's like when my clients have it, in fact, I cooked my agent recently and he said, oh, I'm not a sweet person, not a sweet person. He had two. He had two. <laughs> because the way I make it with whipped cream, a little bit of cardamom. It's oh. cardamony, it's sweet, not too sweet, it's creamy. And then the sweetness, the mango comes through and it's the perfect dessert to have after uh, an Indian meal because our food can be quite heavy with the naan and the yeah. rice um but again it was an accident and I've served it to so many dinner parties so I'm and it, actually when you have that. it when we meet um it's it's one of the best desserts I've ever made I'm quite excited can you tell that I like it yeah yeah I think so because you were like it's not too sweet and it's sweet and it's like this and I'm so yeah because for me we have so many in, 
like Indian, like South Asian cuisine in, in, in particular, we have such sweet desserts like gulag jamun, we have all the pendas, we have um, borofis, all of that, and sikhan, just everything. And for me, I find them so sweet and rich. So when they're you talk simply, about your... They're sweet. Um, so I have a theory. Are you ready for it, Anisha? I'm so ready for we, it because I need we to learn are this. A culture. We have a culture. We are a culture of vibrancy and energy and loudness. And we have, we're a culture of polarity. So you have sweet is very sweet. Savory yeah. is very savory and spicy and sour is very sour. You think of a, yeah. a gold cup, who in their right mind would have a, a pot of sour water? <laughs> you know, what, what? And then it's a thing. And who would burn their mouth with chilies? We do it. And who would, yeah. you know, decay their teeth with sugar? We do it because we have flavors. We're up, we're down, we're sour, we're sweet. So yeah. the flavors are loud in every sense of the world and word. And they, there's a polarity of flavors, I think. Because if you look at our the way we have tea, our tea is hot and sweet. The way we dress. We've got diamonds in our hair and we have <laughs> six yards of our chair. What, what is that about? So we have a very vibrant culture and we have a vibrancy in our food. Yeah. You can go to certain parts of England. Everything's very sort of tame, very plain, and, and the flavours reflect that. Yeah. So that's my theory. We are so. a vibrant culture with vibrant flavours. We are true because that is so true because I feel like sometimes when we get dressed up, we look like a disco ball or like a lit up Christmas tree because it's everything is not, Everything is just everything. It's very bold jewelry, shiny jewelry, glittery shoes, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Sometimes I'd love to go to a wedding wearing my trainers and a sari because your feet throb at, like after the event, and it's like, oh. But I do know what you mean. But you're right. We are very polarized. It's very yeah, one extreme to the, the other. The savory is very savory. The sweet is very sweet, and the sour is very sour. So we have bold flavors in every sense of the word in every part of the palate we don't it's not like we've got spicy food and we live without sweet even the sourness of our yogurt we have a sour it's yogurt we have a bundi yogurt and, and I'm, I, I don't think any of my asian friends like well yogurt for me yogurt would you put in it i said onion onion what i said because it's sour she went, it's sour i said to go with the biryani to go with the yeah. and so we have these flavors that are very Definitely. loud and they, they they literally make your palate dance and so that's why sweetness, yeah. yeah, is there. Very, very true. So I'm going to educate you now, Anisha. Okay. You know, we have our sweets look sweet and colourful and they add yeah. colouring. Why does one add gold leaf and silver leaf on the mitais, on the sweets? I'm going to act clueless because I am. <laughs> I'm doing a podcast, got, Karen. Yeah, I don't I'm know. I'm doing a podcast. It's a friend of Dendo. No, I'm doing Come and say hello. Look, come on. I'm doing a podcast, Anisha, to Spain. Uh, to... Hi. Oh, hi. Oh, it's my birthday, wasn't it? <laughs> Say hello to Spain, Karen. Can <laughs> you believe? Because I'll see you later. Bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> it was my birthday, everybody. So Karen just got me some flowers. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that wasn't in the script, was it? No, it wasn't. But I saw your cat as well running across. You saw Safi, yes. Yeah. So Karen's taking me to a Tibetan sound bath afterwards. Oh, nice. To heal. So that's what I, so the, the reason of the of the decoration of the gold leaf, silver leaf, is to ward off any bacteria. I never knew that. But that makes sense because I don't know if I've got it right. A lot of South Asian women always wear metal toe rings um, to, like, balance their energy and also to fight off any sort of like like to stop yourself from getting ill it's kind of what's the word and it's kind of like 
what's the word in Spanish? It's, it's equilibrium. Ground, like, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's grounding, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. it's keeping you, balancing on your chakras and keeping grounding. Yeah. It grounds you. So, oh God, we could talk for another two hours, really. But we could. Um, a few more questions before we finish. This is a little shameful. You've already told me about your cornflakes, your honey nut cornflakes. This is a little shameful, right? So one of the many reasons I call myself the Naughty Pod, like the Naughty Bite podcast is because I like to know about your bloopers and about, you know, your little sinful desserts that you would not like that you would never never normally share on TV or on podcasts. But my leftover sort of sinful thing is do not laugh and do not pull a face, but you might do. Um mung bean curry on toast with grated cheese as a late night snack while watching a movie do you have any I know do you have any um weird curry combinations that you want to share I'm so disappointed in you (laughs) (laughs) well actually my my naughty pleasure then got on its way to national TV, to a national TV chef, and now is a thing. Okay. So my naughty pleasure is an onion bhaji butty. That's right. That That's time. right. So when we grow up, I remember coming up from school and we had to get in from school and go up to mosque. And it's like, oh, mom, you have to go to mosque. Yeah, you're Muslim, go to mosque. So all the things we did, but we were, um, and in the north, you can imagine having a carb driven. So in the north at the time, it just seemed to be colder. There wasn't a pitted carpets and central heating. I'm not painting a derelict picture the way I grew up, but it was a simpler time. But my, And then we had the uh, power cuts yeah. in the north of England due to save energy. People know that it was a difficult time. Mum would make onion bhajis, and there just wasn't enough to have a bhaji. And so we'd say, Mum, can we sandwich in it? And we'd put it in two slices of white Warburton's bread, oh, lashings of butter, the hot bhaji, we'd hit it, melt the butter with ketchup, have that with tea. you and your ketchup and that, I was like, that. that was a thing that we all loved and even now when my brothers and sisters love it but if I'm gonna make a pan of if I put the pans on and my son says mom oh are we making any bhajis went we're gonna white bread yeah and it's got to be ketchup not mint dip or chutney or tamarind ketchup. no Asian dip thank you very much we want good old-fashioned Russian ketchup people say do you have ketchup with your bhajis I went yeah, yeah. And I'm actually, guilty of it and when I'm I made it for, it for James Martin yeah, I know. And how did he, um, what was his like, because it's like, it's mixing British and South Asian. Yeah, yeah. And Northerners. Well, he's, he's from the North. He loved it. He loved it. Yeah. And I remember his producer saying, <laughs> you know what, Praveen, this is going to be, this is going to be, um, what's that word, on, on a Sunday when you have hangover food. Uh, stodge um, morning. Stodge, yeah, stodge morning. Um, so the onion bhaji butty now is in my new cookbook. I can't wait. I'm I'm so looking forward to that. But just before we finish, I've got one last question for you, and this is like a thought-provoking one. I'd say you are, like I said before, you are a another female role model, Thank you. a go-to motivational resource for anyone who wants to stop and change their career, not just in food but their career. And what have you learned from this experience, okay? What personal obstacles did you face? And your aspirations, that was a lot of questions in one, and drive for wanting to showcase such extraordinary South Asian food, but for the everyday household, like, it's, tell me more before we go. Anisha, why did you ask that last one in another podcast now? I know. Um, I, know. I, I don't know about inspiration. I think sometimes when I feel that my inspiration was my mother, however, when she was there, she just got on my nerves. <laughs> 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 my thighs were getting fat, that I'm looking a bit old. 
she was an inspirational woman in that her food was lovely. She had seven children, mum and dad, stepbrother. There was like 11. It was ridiculous, like the Asian Waltons in the house. Mm -hmm. She complained about everything, the cleaning, my dad's flatulence, the, the tattoo to bring home from the car boot sale. One thing she never complained about, and that was the cooking. Okay. And not, I didn't notice that while it was happening. And I thought, oh, my God, why does she not complain about it? It's because she's good at it and it's her passion. Okay. I will complain about cleaning the house, doing my accounts, doing my social media. However, all I want to do is now get in that kitchen and make my bindi. Okay. And I find that it gives me such joy. And it's a natural place for me to be. But it took me a long time to get to this place where I'm comfortable. I tried to be everything to everybody and get a good job and be an inspector and be a teacher and get a corporate job. But it wasn't me. My yeah. personality probably was too big to be uh, an inspector for Ofsted. So I find that this is the first job I've got that fits my personality. Yes, I talk a lot. Yes, I'm a little bit loud. You're from Yorkshire. I'm Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah. But I can cook and I can teach and I can do those things. And I didn't think that was a skill set that one could do and have a career with. So that's where I'm the most comfortable. And in terms of mishaps and missed opportunities, and sometimes I've fallen down, too many to call, too many yeah. to mention. I've gone to bed at night and thinking, Am I mad? Am I stupid? Why don't I just get a real job? Why do I keep doing what I doing? I'm doing and why do I keep falling? But there's yeah. something inside me, Anisha, that wants to do this. Yeah. I want to do this as a role model for other Asian women, because I didn't have anything like that when I was growing up. Yeah. I want to do it with my mother, who I want to make her proud, make myself proud. And the minute somebody says to me, Parvin, you can't do it, I think, just no. watch me. Just watch me. Do it. And that's because. Being an incubator baby, being an incubator for three months made me, I had the will to survive. Yeah. And this is a fight for the survival. I am in the TV chefing game for females and it's not the easiest place to be. Yeah. But it's where I want to be. But you've made it. The most comfortable yeah. in front of the camera, sharing my stories, doing my thing. That I think God at one time, when the time is right, God will give me my second break and my second show and I'm going to enjoy it every second of it. And I can't wait. So, Parveen, it's been an absolute pleasure, but also a blast. Um, my cheeks are hurting from this conversation. <laughs> um, I just want to say thank you so much. It's, I can't wait for you to kick, cook up a storm in your next series because you're gonna you're gonna nail it. But for everyone listening, please follow Parveen's journey. And if you want to see follow her on Instagram, it's Parveen the Spice Queen. She lives up to her mug. So if you see this pod, um, this podcast on YouTube, see her mug. It does say the Spice Queen. Um, it's just been amazing. So I just want to say thank you so much. It's been an You're absolute welcome. pleasure. So I'm super Mind. happy to um, interview, you, interview you today. Interview you, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I got muddled with my words. So um, thank you so much. It's Bye, been guys. an absolute pleasure. I've loved it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> Bye.